In the beginning was the word. Oh, I see. You think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? He's just right. You think Jesus is some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. My co-host today is the lovely Karen Hunt, and joining us in the studio today is Pastor Glenn from Open Doors Australia. Now, we've been good buddies for many years, and uh, just curious to hear a bit of his life story today. Uh, welcome to the program, Glenn. How are you, mate? I'm well, Matt. How are you? Very good. Nice to have you with us, Pastor you, Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> Great to be here. Okay. Now, mate, uh, tell us a bit of your, your faith journey. Whereabouts were you born and raised, and, and how did you come to know the Lord? Okay. Well, I was uh, born in Toowoomba. Raised in Toowoomba in a very strong Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad uh, was licensee of a pub up in Toowoomba, the Courthouse Hotel. And uh, I lived there for a couple of years until my dad died when I was 14. Uh, my mother was a really committed Catholic. So mm-hmm. uh, we went to you know Christian brother schools, to uh, schools with the nuns and uh, altar boy and the whole Catholic thing. So you're a pretty serious religious guy as a young fella. I wasn't, yeah. but my mother was. <laughs> oh, mother I, was, I, was <laughs> I just went along for the ride. <laughs> well, good on you for going. Eh? Obeying no your mother's instructions. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tell us about, was, was there a conversion experience at some stage? What happened there? Yeah, there was quite a dramatic conversion experience uh, on the 1st of April 1984. April uh, in, Fool's Day. There you go. Wow. <laughs> a fool for Christ. Um, tell I was, us more. <laughs> I was working in Townsville, had been, uh, was working with uh, a company called the RACQ, and uh, was working and living in Townsville, and my life kind of got to a point where I was quite desperate. I knew I couldn't continue to live the way I was living. Uh, I was spending more money uh, than I was making on my lifestyle, on you know, mainly alcohol, partying, and all of that. And I got to a place where I was quite desperate. And I remember one day after, uh, I think I'd been drinking for a few days, uh, one day, kind of waking up and and just saying, "God, I don't even know if you're there, but if you are, you better do something quickly because I can see no point in continuing to live like this." And then, miraculously, <laughs> can I use that word? Yeah. Um, someone came to work in my office uh, as an assistant manager who was a committed Christian. And when I initially employed him and rang up his referees, they said, "Look, this guy's a committed Christian." And I had no idea. Well, like, we're all Christians. We're living in Australia, aren't we, you know? <laughs> and so I had no idea of anything even outside of the Catholic Church. And uh, I started to ask him, you know, what is it that he believed? And he started to share his faith with me and, and invited me along to church in Townsville. And virtually everything changed overnight. And was there like an altar call that you went up the front and uh, bawled your eyes out, put your hand up, all that kind of thing? <laughs> there, uh, uh, a little bit like that. Uh, when I started asking this uh, guy who was working for me what he believed, he started to tell me all about the second coming of Christ. And uh, at that stage, this is back in the early 80s, there was a, a very developed theology of what all that looked like. <laughs> and uh, I think actually he scared the living daylights out of me when he started wow. to tell me about the Antichrist mm-hmm. and the Mark of the Beast, mm-hmm. which I'd never heard about. Yeah. So he encouraged me to uh, – he said there's a book in, in, in the back of the New Testament called the Book of Revelation. Go and read that. So uh, I had a little New Testament at home that I'd tried to read previously. Uh, I think I got through about uh, chapter 3 or 4 of Matthew and it just didn't make sense. But this time later, I opened up the book of Revelation, and I think on that first night, I think I read it twice. Mm. I didn't understand any of it, but there was this uh, thing inside, (laughs) which I know to be the Holy Spirit, telling me that there's truth in this book. And so the uh, following week that I actually went to to church with uh, this guy that was talking to me about it, uh, 
lo and behold, they were preaching on the, you know, the second coming of Christ. And so at the end, there, there was a, a, an altar call that said, if you want to respond to, to the message and you want to give your life to Christ, come forward. But I, I guess I had a fair bit of pride, you know, in that role of uh, being manager of RACQ in North Queensland. And I, I was too embarrassed to get up out of the seat. It was quite a large church, several hundred people there. And I thought, oh, someone will see me and recognize me. But uh, then, you know, he just said something that uh, I got out of my seat and went forward and gave my life to the Lord and uh, nothing's been the same since. So it took reading the end of the story <laughs> to spark <laughs> your brain to go back yes. to the beginning for uh, yourself. And reading, yeah, the end of the story, which I didn't understand mm. <laughs> and I still don't. Yeah. <laughs> and was there a big change in your life? Did everyone notice it? Oh, there was a massive change. Uh, you know, I was talking about having that struggle with alcohol. You know, that was on the 1st of April. On the 1st of January, I remember so many times I got there and thought, I'm going to go on the wagon, you know, just give it a break for two weeks. And I think I got to the afternoon of the 1st of January and it didn't work. So the thing that changed for me, Matt, was on the uh, on that next day, that Monday, uh, it was 10 o'clock, pubs were open. I went down for a quick uh, little bit of morning tea at the Mansfield Hotel and I took uh, one drink of that morning tea and I knew that something had changed for me. And what about your journey into ministry? Uh, what what, uh, what what happened be- between there and becoming you know, a pastor? Well, not long after that, I moved uh, about 12 months, probably after making that decision to follow Christ. I moved to Brisbane and started going to what was then Northside uh, Christian Church, which is now called Nexus Church, and really had been there, I, I guess, for all of those years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a one-year Bible college course there at Northside and did like a certificate of Christian ministry and then I did a diploma, I think, in Christian ministry in, in those days where there was no recognition for those. Yeah. And uh, just started, you know, leading home groups and, you know, being heavily involved in the church. Always had a heart for overseas work mm-hmm. on a number of occasions. Uh, my wife and I have been ready to go to the mission fair. We're ready to go to the Philippines once, you know, ready to go to Wales once, yeah, ready to go to New Guinea. So we've we've always been uh, felt like we've been poised, ready to strike. <laughs> mm. But we ended up uh, in in ministry at Northside at, at Nexus Church, and uh, have just had some incredible years there. You know, with our kids being born uh, while we're there and growing up, they've got a wonderful school there, Northside Christian College as well. And uh, you know, the children have all gone through the college. My youngest uh, son, David's in his last year of school in Year Twelve. Mm-hmm. So it's been uh, a great community. Uh, We've ministered there in pastoral care and preaching and uh, leading a number of different areas of the church. Mm. And you had quite a uh, important role there, um, associate pastor yes, for yeah. many years, supporting yes, Pastor yeah. John Lewis and then supporting uh, Pastor Murray Averill, uh, great men of God. Uh, and then we heard the news in the last year or so, uh, Glenn has left. He's off to plant a church. Left the building. He's gone into an inner city <laughs> suburb of West End and... I thought, wow, that's a big, big change to you know leave a big, thriving church to go and plant, pioneer something. That's a big risk to take. It, uh, it was a big change. I was talking to a, a pastor a couple of days ago, and he, uh, I think he probably had the best analogy I've heard. He said, uh, what's it like to step off the cruise boat and into a dinghy? And, uh, <laughs> oh, I like that analogy. <laughs> it certainly feels like that. Um, uh, yeah, it, wow. it, it, we, my wife, Maureen, and I really felt the Lord start speaking to us mm-hmm. um, in February of last year. And uh, we um, got a very clear kind of direction we, we felt from the Lord to do to, to what we're doing. So 
Yeah, mm. we're, we're in at West End. And you've been reaching out to, uh, I know uh, we had a conversation recently, you've been witnessing to people of the Muslim faith, you've been, you know, there's a lot of new age kind of interesting religious mixes around the West End area. How's that been going? Yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> eclectic. It, it's great. I just love it. And uh, every time I kind of go in there, it's like, uh, and I think it's the same for my wife, you know, we come alive. Mm. And uh, there are so many diverse groups. It's very eclectic. The multiculturalism mm. very. is very strong. My favourite place there, the Three Monkeys. Oh, yes, good yes. cafe. <laughs> yes, they were talking. Yeah, we spent cool. quite a bit of time there too. Now, uh, you're also involved with uh, one of our favourite ministries, Open Doors. Uh, for those who don't know the story of Open Doors, tell us a bit about Brother Andrew and how it all began. Well, Open Doors began with uh, Brother Andrew in 1955 who was beginning to smuggle Bibles and literature um, you know, through the Iron Curtain into places like Russia and that. And he had a little VW Beetle that uh, he used to you know, put his Bibles and uh, his Christian literature into. And he would take that into these countries where the church uh, wasn't really allowed to exist but did. And he was really – he felt he was encouraged by a, a word that the Lord gave him when he was um, – you know, reading Revelation chapter 3, back to Revelation again, uh, <laughs> the letter to the Church of Sardis where it, where it says, um, you know, strengthen that which remains and, and it is about to die. And he took that as a, a, a word from God to, to go in and strengthen the, the church where it's suffering. And so today you know, we work in about 50 different countries around the world where we minister to people who are living in the pers- who are living every day with persecution different levels of persecution so we raise awareness for the persecuted church we distribute bibles and literature you know where and and when we can we do advocacy when we when we can do that and it's not going to uh, have a negative impact on, on those christians so there's a whole range of things that we do to to encourage Christians who are living every day with persecution because of their commitment to Jesus. So strengthening the believers but yet training the leaders to work within that area. Yes, we do quite a bit of leadership training as well. Mm. And we really work with local churches. So Mm -hmm. we... We, uh, we, we're in contact with them. We've got a lot of people on the ground in different countries, and uh, they will come to us. You know, at the moment, uh, Syria, uh, uh, an incredible crisis in Syria um, where so many things that are happening that are just devastating the church. The church has been quite strong in Syria, about 10% of the population, um, you know, uh, up until recently. But, you know, over 100,000 people killed, probably 7,500 of those children you know, we, we've just got, you know, 1.6 million people displaced externally in Jordan and Lebanon and Egypt and Turkey, and probably about 4.8 million displaced internally. So the crisis there is incredible. And the Christians uh, are, uh, they're just on their knees. I think one of the uh, archbishops said that the, the Christians have to choose in Syria between two kind of poison chalices, you know, one is leave or one is die. And we've seen the world watch list uh, each year where they list all the different nations in the world that have the highest rate of the persecuted Mm. church and North Korea is number one again. Uh, Tell us about North Korea. I mean, it's hard for us to comprehend what's going on in North Korea. What's the latest you're hearing from North Korea? It is. Well, you know, probably up to 400,000 Christians in North Korea um, and they they are targeted. Uh, because of their faith in Christ. You know, in some countries, you, you can be a Christian, mm. keep it to yourself, 
um, and so long as you don't preach the gospel, you know, you're okay. But in North Korea, you can't even be a, a, a Christian privately. Mm. That is an offense against the government. And so there are um, special prison camps, you know, just for Christians. One notorious camp with probably between five and 7,000 Christians wow. there in there. Wow. And they're there because solely because of their faith in Christ, and they're seen to be as enemies of the state. So it is hard to get, uh, you know, some information and some things out of North Korea. But certainly, you know, Open Doors is working there where we can, you know, with, with the church again to just to strengthen that which is about to die. I'm just getting a little bit of a flashback. You and I have talked to Glenn recently. I went to Israel recently. Mm. Uh, I, I went into uh, Bethlehem, mm. which is in part of the Palestinian territory, and uh, was meeting with a, a Christian, in, a, a Palestinian Christian man. And uh, I said to him, uh, have you heard of Brother Andrew and Open Doors? And he goes, oh, yes, yes. He comes to our Bethlehem Bible College. He's one of the only men that actually witnesses to Hamas. He's one of the only men that is allowed to go and you know reach out to these people. And um, I've been listening to one of his uh, books recently, an audio book of his, where he tells stories about how he gets uh, Palestinian Christians mm. and Messianic Jewish Christians, mm. and he takes them out into the desert together and uh, has a little camp, a little conference. And at first they sit next to each other and they don't want to talk to each other because they've been raised to hate each other, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, eventually they realise that, hey, we, are both, we both have Christ as our saviour. Mm-hmm. We have a common bond. We need to yes. forget about our racial tension mm-hmm. and become brothers. And now they're planting churches together, Palestinian and Jewish Christians together. Yeah, oh, and I think, wow, mm-hmm. that guy, <laughs> what a legacy uh, he has in the world today, huh? He has an amazing legacy. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, looking back, well, since 1955, and Brother Andrew is still going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, still going strong. And, uh, you know, you, you look at that, you know, a life kind of totally sold out and committed, mm. you know, for, for the glory of God and for, you know, God's plan for, for the earth. Mm. And I think it's amazing. And I, I guess, but like so many people, only eternity will kind of really reveal you oh, know, the yeah. impact that someone like uh, Brother Andrew and then, of course, you know, Ministry of Open Doors and so many other ministries as well and people uh, – It'll be revealed in eternity what, what they've actually achieved. But Brother Andrew is certainly a, a peacemaker, I mm. think, you know, and we know it says that blessed are the peacemakers, and I think he's truly a blessed man. Mm. Absolutely. Brother Andrew, mm. Pastor Glenn, you're following in his footsteps too. <laughs> yeah. uh, Brother Glenn, should we call you Brother Glenn? For <laughs> I almost did that. <laughs> could, could be too big a handle, I think. <laughs> So we want to encourage our listeners to support Open Doors. Of course, uh, pray for the persecuted believers. Um, people, If people want to have uh, Pastor Glenn or any representatives from Open Doors in their churches. Uh, we had a guy named Norman speak recently. He was brilliant. Uh, he had a faint Irish accent, didn't he? he did. uh, and then uh, we had uh, another guy, Jim. Yes. He was an amazing man of God. Uh, you've got a great team uh, who do a lot of great stuff. So people can have them uh, in their churches. Uh, and what's the website if people want to find out all this information? The website's www.opendoors.org.au. Mm-hmm. and they can book speakers through that website and contact us and a lot of the things that we've been talking about are on the website. Fantastic. Well, God bless you, Pastor Glenn. We reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Bless you. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers.